I thank you for having me again this morning. It's uh, been a real blessing to me to be here these last couple weeks and get to know you as a congregation and see very tangible acts of service and tangible acts of hospitality. It's uh, meant a lot to me to see that, and so I thank you for allowing me to be part of that. Um, I am here today in the third of four weeks as we look through the book of Jonah together. It's been a blessing to me to look into the book of Jonah, and I'm happy to share that with you this morning. Um, just so there's no misunderstanding, I'm not the pastor of this congregation, even though I've been here three weeks now. Um, I don't have an office here. I'm a visiting preacher filling in. Um, if you break a window at your house and you want to keep the elements outside before you replace the glass, you put a, a piece of cardboard or a piece of wood over top of that broken glass, right? Just a temporary measure. Well, that piece of cardboard, that piece of wood, that's me. I'm, I'm a temporary fill-in situation. Pastor Ken, he's the real pain. We are looking together at Jonah chapter 3 this morning. You may follow along in your pew Bible. It's on page 1,438. Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. When God sets a plan in motion, it is not thwarted, prevented, or altered by mere humans. We as people may frustrate the situation. We may act in disobedient ways. We may even put up obstacles. But in the end, God is always the victor. God's will will be done. He rules. His plans will be followed. God has a plan for his world. 
We are actors in that plan, and that plan will be pursued because he is God. In Jonah chapter 3, we see the reality of God's plans and how they are carried out, regardless of human fallibility. We saw in chapter 1 that Jonah refused the call to go to Nineveh and preach against it. He went the wrong direction. Here in chapter 3, Jonah finally finally is obedient and goes to Nineveh. There was really never any question of who was in charge as we began the book of Jonah. God's in in control. Jonah knew it, and it was only a matter of time before God's plan would be carried out. The scripture tells us that every human being at some point will profess the great name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We see many examples today of individuals who refuse God's calling, who refuse to acknowledge His greatness and the gift to us of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. But we can rest assured that in time, at some point, maybe before the final throne of God, all will bend the knee and confess the greatness of God and Jesus Christ. God rules, and the sooner we come to acknowledge that and confess that and profess that, the better it is for us. Jonah 3 begins the same way that Jonah 1 did. We see the great balance between the first half of the book of Jonah and the second half of the book of Jonah. The book starts with God's call to Jonah. Chapter 3 starts with God's second call to Jonah. But we know a little bit more about Jonah by this time, don't we? We knew almost nothing about the man Jonah when he was first called in Jonah 1. But now we know him as a man who can be disobedient. As a man who can take action in the wrong direction. But we also know him as a man who can repent and put together a very beautiful prayer. Well, this time, Jonah obeys God's call. And in obeying God's call, we still have questions about who he is as an individual. Did he respond to God's call in chapter 3 merely because there was no other way? We have questions about his heart. Is his heart in what he is doing? Or is he going to Nineveh only because he has to? There's no other choice for him. He goes up dragging his feet. My son is 21 now, and when he was five or six, I would frequently ask him to do something, and and he would resist, and he would say no, and he would avoid doing it, but there came a point when I said, yes, you have to do it, and he'd say, okay, fine, and then he would do it. We're left to wonder if Jonah was only going to Nineveh with the attitude, okay, fine, I'll do it. But amazingly, unbelievably, He was very successful. Jonah, probably the worst missionary in all of humankind, not not even as good as the lovely people up here who came and were obedient and reaching out with the love of God. Jonah ran the wrong direction, and yet Jonah, despite his disobedience, was successful. The people heard his word. They heard the message of God, and they immediately repented from the least of them to the greatest of them. That's quite a contrast between the people of Nineveh, who is a great city, 
outside of the people of God, in the Assyrian Empire, they were obedient to God. Where Jonah, when Jonah heard the word of the Lord, was disobedient. Once again, we see very concretely a contrast and the strength of Jonah's character in disobedience. Jonah heard directly from God and disobeyed. Yet the people of Nineveh heard indirectly from a stranger, from somebody from the outside, and they responded in obedience and repented. Even the king of Nineveh didn't hear from Jonah himself. He only heard of the uproar in the city. And yet he proclaimed a decree, a fast, that man and beast would not touch food or water. Because the king thought, maybe God will relent. Maybe God will not bring about the destruction that is promised 40 days hence. Once again, God has compassion. What a compassionate God we serve. In Jonah chapter 1, the sailors receive God's compassion in the storm on the sea. Jonah received God's compassion in the great fish in chapter 2. And here the people of Nineveh are the recipients of God's amazing, overwhelming compassion to not bring about the destruction that he planned. A whole city. An important question comes up here. Can we, by our actions, actually change God's mind? If we pray hard enough and fervently enough, can we change God's plans? Now, there is an element within the Christian community that says that, yes, if, if we believe hard enough and we pray strongly enough and our faith is deep enough, anything we want, we can have. We realize that this is a misreading of certain passages of Scripture and it's not understanding Scripture in its totality and who God is and the sovereignty He has over His creation. And yet some believe that very strongly. I worked with a prison inmate in Michigan a number of years ago. He became a friend of mine. He was in prison for some very serious charges. He was going to be spending a lot of time in there. And though behind bars, he came to the Lord and came to know the Lord and gave his life to him. And yet he was strongly influenced by those who believed that if you just had enough faith, anything you asked for, your prayer would be answered. At the time, he was praying for an airplane. Not sure what an inmate really needed an airplane for, but he was convinced that if he prayed hard enough, he would receive an airplane. I had so many lively discussions with him about theology and how that all worked out and what God said in other parts of Scripture and how that worked together in the totality. And, and we realize today that, well, what if two very passionate people pray fervently, with great faith for contradictory blessings? What if I pray very deeply for an airplane and somebody else who has just as strong faith as me prays that I don't get an airplane? How does that work out? Or what if everybody in this room, each of us decided to pray very fervently for an airplane for each one of us? Does that put God on the hook for 100, 150 Lear jets? I don't think so. 
But people look at the book of Jonah and say, see, God's mind can be changed. But in the larger context, we realize that ultimately God is in control. What may look like from our perspective, a prayer being answered and God relenting from doing something or God carrying out something that we didn't think was actually going to happen is part of the larger picture of God's work in human history. Yes, God invites us to pray. Yes, God loves to hear our prayers and our requests and our concerns. But the prayers we pray are for us. Help us to realize that God is in control. They help us to realize that no matter how things turn out eventually, God is working in and through it and will protect us and will care for us. In other words, God doesn't change his mind in the spur of the moment. God sent Jonah to preach to Nineveh knowing full well that he's a compassionate God and in his larger plan, his larger purpose, he knew that he would not bring about the destruction that he threatened. The sailors had a sense of that compassion and said, maybe God will relent. Jonah prayed for help, knowing that he needed help, that God is compassionate. And the people of Nineveh reached out to God in faith, knowing that God is compassionate and that maybe he will relent from the threats that were given. And as we shall see in chapter 4, deep down Jonah 2 knows that God is compassionate. It's wonderful to see unfolding drama. To realize that God works through you and me in our human fallible states. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He knows we are not. He understands our sinfulness, our disobedience, and yet works through us anyway. And that's very comforting when we look at our careers, we look at our gifts, we look at our relationships. We realize that we're not perfect. We're not living up to that which we could be. And yet God called us into his kingdom despite our sinfulness. God calls us into a career. God places us in relationships knowing that we're not perfect. That we're not going to do everything right all the time. So we can be accepting of ourselves. We can be compassionate toward ourselves knowing that God is compassionate toward us. The captain of the boat that was threatened with destruction did not merit the salvation and the compassion that was given to him. The people of Nineveh didn't earn the right to be forgiven. That was a gift of God. Jonah didn't earn the right to come out of the fish and to be spit up on dry ground. It was a gift of God. And as we continue through the book of Jonah, we will see that salvation doesn't come from human works. Salvation doesn't come to us when we are good enough. We aren't effective because of who we are. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. And that takes off a lot of pressure from us. Because we know that we were called from the foundation of the universe. 
before our parents were even born, God knew us and called us and loves us. Regardless of how we try to thwart God's plans, despite however disobedient we may be at certain turns in our lives, God loves us. And God is a God of second chances and compassion. Thanks be to God, because salvation comes from the Lord. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, our God, we thank you for the book of Jonah. We thank you for the work that you have done through redemptive history, working through the lives of ancestors of ours, working through the lives of those with whom we have relationships. Thank you that we know that it all works out for our good, that your plans may come to fruition. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.